Two White Chicks in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hello, welcome back to the Two White Chicks in China. This is episode one, two, four. Getting up there. We are indeed. Before we start, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has left us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five star reviews really help other people who are interested in China and Chinese culture find us too. And it helps us to stretch our very limited marketing budget. <laughs> that, that too, yeah. <laughs> I also want to say thank you to everyone who is supporting us on Patreon. For those of you who, who are not familiar with Patreon, this is a platform where people like Nora and I, who create content for free, we have our own page, which is at Patreon.com/slash/TwoWhiteChicks, and you can visit our page and leave us a, a small donation, which will help towards our production costs and possibly creating even more exciting content in the future. <laughs> Yeah, you can buy us a cup of coffee if you want. Exactly, which will definitely help our productivity. <laughs> Or beer, beer maybe. <laughs> so, Nora, do you have a fact about China for us? I do. So, I came across a list of the most powerful passports in the world.、Ooh. Yeah, and I found it really interesting. So, number one, do you have any guess what it is? The U.S. That, I thought it. I thought the U.S. would also be higher on the list,、yeah. but it's not. Number one is Singapore. So the ranking is based on how many. It's almost exclusively based on how many countries you can visit without applying for a visa. A visa right. And then it's balanced with how many countries you can get visa on arrival for, and then how many、mm. countries you need to apply for a visa with. That's basically the criteria that they use to judge which countries' passports are are more powerful than the other. So Singapore was number one.、Right. Number two was Germany. I, can, I guess I can understand that.、Mm-hmm. And then、um, there was a list. So the number three included several countries, most of them in Scandinavia. Denmark was at the top. Norway, these kind of places. And then I looked. I tried to find where China was, and do you know what ranking China is? It's all the way down, number sixty-one. And these are. It's not like one country per ranking. So, like I just mentioned, for ranking number three, there's like seven、it's、or eight.、Countries. Yeah, in there. So China's like way down there on the list. Hong Kong is number thirteen, ranking in number thirteen,、right. which I was surprised that it was that much farther down. That like the U.S. is in the ranking number four, and I think the U.K. is in number four or number five as well. I think number five, but I was surprised that Hong Kong was so far down on the list, where Singapore was just like right smack at the top in its own ranking. It was the only one ranked number one. It's really interesting. Yes. In China, sixty-one. Yeah, I'd be curious to know like why that is. I mean, I guess it's all to do with who you're friends with.、Um, yeah, I think it's a lot of diplomatic relations stuff. But I'm curious to watch it change in the next few years because、yes. they have more and more. This last year, for example, there are some countries which don't need visas to come to China. It's a small list, but it's countries like the Bahamas, the Ecuador, Fiji. Grenada, Mauritius, Seychelles, yeah, Serbia, and Tonga. Serbia is a big one, so because a lot of Serbians can speak English, so、mm-hmm. we see a lot of Serbian English teachers popping up in Shenzhen. They can only stay in the country for thirty days, but they can just like hop back over the border to Hong Kong and then come back into China. That's the game. 
It's so convenient. So Super convenient. I, I don't blame them for doing it. Mm-hmm. I think China's ranking is going to change because it seems like more and more countries are like, hey, Chinese investment, come over our way. <laughs> so let's see what happens in the, in the next few years, see if China starts climbing that ladder. Yeah, I'd like to see how it's changed as well, like in the last few years, mm-hmm. like if there's a, where it was you know, several years back. Unfortunately, I don't have those details, but I can put the link to the resource that I did find this information at, and maybe you can do some digging of your own and find out more about that. So what's in the news today? All right, so this is about a shopping mall that has set up lanes, especially for pedestrians who are using their mobile phones. (laughs) This is in a shopping mall in northwest China, in Xi'an, and they've built special lanes so that you can still walk about while using your mobile phone. It's one meter wide and extends for hundreds of meters with signs depicting cell phones and warning pedestrians only for smartphone addicts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Other parts of the pavement have a ban on people using mobile phones, so you must be in the lane to use your mobile phone. Oh. They're meant to discourage young workers from IT companies in the area who walk around on their mobiles. I guess there have been accidents, which is hardly surprising, to be honest. I'm amazed that I haven't seen anything. People, like, stepping out onto the road. People are always on their phone here. It's unreal. And they have such a herd mentality. I've seen just a couple weeks ago, I was waiting at a stoplight and I saw a group of people who were all also, they were like together. A few of them were linking arms. They were obviously like traveling together and they were also all heads buried in their phones. And then the person to their right decided to start walking because he knew like if you know the stoplights, then you know even though it's red, you have a little bit, sometimes you have a little bit of time to get like either you you can see that there are no cars coming or you know that you've got a little bit of time before the cars make a left turn so you've got like a little gap so if you know the stoplight well you know you can jump the gap and like just quickly scurry across the street but these guys they just because they saw this person to their right out of the corner of their eye moving they just all immediately started slowly walking across the street right into oncoming traffic it was four or five of them and none of them realized that they were going to get hit by a bus Until the bus was like, you know, just right on top of them and then laying on the horn. And then they all turned and were like, oh, what are we doing in the middle of the road? And like, why did we, they just like had no idea how they had gotten where they had gotten. And this happens so much. They're just like, they see somebody next to them move and they just assume like, well, I guess it's time to go. And they're not really thinking for themselves. They're just kind of going with the flow of everything. So I can get why this would be extremely dangerous. And you hear these public service announcements on the metro and like all around town saying like be careful when you're looking at your cell phone like don't walk and look at your cell phone there's stories that i've seen in the news about accidents with mobile phones there was a story of a woman a couple of months back and she fell into i don't know if these exist in other parts of the world they probably do but I don't think we have them in the UK where instead of driving around a car park like a multi-story car park you drive into like an elevator for cars and then it takes you up and she was so distracted by her phone she walked into this elevator for cars and almost got killed by this elevator thing oh my yeah and also I've I've seen I know it's, it's pretty gruesome and I've seen people fall into manholes because they're just not focused in fact, there was a story today, this is not actually related to phones, but about getting stuck, about a, a drunk girl who got her foot stuck in a, a squat toilet. 
<laughs> oh no! And the fire brigade had to be called to take a leg out, a foot out of the toilet. Oh no! Anyway, sorry, that's unrelated. Back to the this lane, this special lane thing. People are saying, oh, you know, it's to keep people safe. But I, I want people to be safe. But I also think people need a reality check. This just promotes the idea that it's okay to not be aware of your own surroundings. Mm. And this this, some, this netizen actually said, I don't support it. A special lane for a behavior that we shouldn't promote sounds like just the opposite very few chinese people like sit at home watching tv it's like a social thing usually on their way home from work they're all glued to their phones watching the latest episode they're on the way to work yeah on the way to work wherever they're in transit and they're just like walking and watching walking and watching it's really obnoxious when you're walking on the, a busy street and somebody's either weaving around or just suddenly stops yeah without any concern for the people around them it's really funny on the metro everyone has their head down and i don't think i've ever seen anyone read a newspaper on the metro they get all their news on their phones. Yep. But it's funny because Chinese parents today, they do believe that looking at the phone is not good for the, the child. But it always seems to come back to this idea that it's harmful to their eyesight. They don't seem to care too much about, you know, developmental issues with social, social skills, skills. Like becoming really isolated where they're just sucked into the phone and not interacting that much about with the world around them. I haven't heard from many parents about those issues. They just say, oh, it's bad for the eyes. I guess whatever gets you to tone down the use of these electronics, I, I think it should be supported. But they don't seem to... Maybe because it's just, like, so new and, like... I was, when I was growing up, my parents were imposing limitations on our TV and video game oh, time. Yeah. In fact, we were n we never had the only video game that we had, and this is really going to date me, but the only video game we had growing up was an Atari. Right. We had an Amiga. Okay. Had, yeah. yeah, so it's like on par. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we have to blow on the... You know, you have to blow the on the games to get it to work. Yeah, the <laughs> cartridges. And it was very complicated to set up. Yeah. And, like, the controllers were not very intuitive. And the games were really simple. But um, there's also a charm in that. So we grew up with these kind of limitations. But I feel like the same generation in China grew up without maybe access to TV. Or the TV that they had mm. probably before internet was all, like, state-sponsored and probably not as interesting as what what's available now they have all these melodramas and these like voice competition shows that they love and all these hilarious reality shows mm. etc so now they have like all this they're spoiled for choice and so I'm wondering maybe in future if this is going to mature a bit, but now I've been a little bit disappointed with parents' relationship with the electronic devices and their kids. They don't mm -hmm. seem as concerned about the child's social development as they are about like, oh, it's bad for the eyes. They just need some influencer like Angela Baby or something to <laughs> yeah. make a comment and then they'll all change. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> Angela, baby, if you're listening, tell everybody to get off their phones. <laughs> then you would lose all your followers. So Yeah, and also we probably would too because most of our listeners are probably listening to us on their phones. Probably. <laughs> right, so let's, uh, let's get to our question. So our question this week comes from Zach. And he says, Hi ladies, I hope your days are going well so far. I will be moving to China in a few months to start a new job. As part of my process, I'm required to adhere to the stricter regulations China put in place at the beginning of this year. 
I think if you too feel that you would be qualified enough to do so to make a podcast that addresses this process would be excellent. I know a lot of Americans and British individuals have frustrations with this difficult and tedious process. <laughs> I don't know if you've gone through this process yourself, but if having a podcast to address what Americans and British citizens should do would be very helpful. I don't know about British citizens, but for Americans, we have to notarize, authenticate, legalize documents, and then apply for a work visa. There's a lot more logistics in between, but this would be something important that you should address. I would be interested to hear your thoughts on this topic. Let me know what you think. Best regards, Zach. It is, to put it politely, a mega hassle. (laughs) Nightmare. There may be slightly stricter regulations recently, but it's always been a big hassle. There is really no one source that you can go and see all of the requirements that you need to fulfill when applying for a visa. It's always like half missing. I found what I would consider quite a good source actually, which I'll I'll share in our show notes and a lot of the information I'm going to pass on is from there. But it's quite dependent on lots of different factors and it could depend on where you're from and the job you're applying for so the company you work for really need to know or they need to employ someone who really knows what they're doing that's the key element i think here yeah first of all just for those of you who aren't aware you can't apply for a work visa as an individual say like i'm curious about working Mm. in china let me apply for a work visa because i think i want to get a job in china (laughs) right they're not gonna make it that easy no it's um it has to be sponsored by a company so you need to have the job first that's why we kind of recommended in previous episodes that you might want to just come to china on it like even if you're curious about working in china you might want to come to China on a tourist visa. Check it out, see if you really like it, and then find the company when you're in China versus Googling Chinese jobs and then trying to, because many of those are through an agency which are gonna take a big cut of your payment. Plus, you will have no idea about your living conditions or working conditions before you get here. Even though starting the process for a visa sometimes requires returning to your home country, Mm. unless you know exactly which company you're going to be working for and it's vetted, you've been in contact with people who have worked there before, or you know a lot about the company, that's a different story. But in general, I think it's worth your time and money to just come to China on a tourist visa first and see what it's like, see if it's for you before going through this whole hassle because it is it is a nightmare. As you were just saying there about coming over on a tourist visa, there are lots of types of visas, way more than I knew existed, from the letter B to Z. <laughs> so <laughs> I just chose a couple. I'll just tell you like the letters and these ones I thought would be the most like, applicable for those of you out there coming to China. So an F visa is for study tours and exchanges. An L, so if you guys come over as a tourist, that's what you will be under, an L. M is business. X is if you are studying in China, and this is the biggie that Zach's asking about. This is for a work visa, that's Z or Z. (laughs) For all you Americans out there. (laughs) And each visa will, you know, you'll be expected to put together different paperwork and whatnot. And another big thing is you do need all original documents. Your employer should explain to you before coming to China, if you do get a job, should. Holly's laughing because we've both been through this process for getting the Z visa. We're now 
now on a Z visa. Actually, they have three and five years Z visas, Z visas now, which is awesome because it's the first time that Holly and I have not had to do this every single year. Dance, Holly is dancing, doing dancing. like a mega dance because every year it's nerve wracking <laughs> because you're not sure. It's usually like they figure everything out right at the deadline. So you're basically waiting until your visa is already expired. And you're just kind of in this state of limbo, hoping that everything goes through so you can pick up your new visa. So it's not an easy process. Yeah. But we've both gone through it several times before, so we know that even if a company claims to be able to get you one, they may still not know what they're doing. Because I've had the same thing. I've literally had... (laughs) So my... Okay, my first year in China, I was in Chengdu, so I got the... So you get like an L, I think it's called... It's it's like a pre-work visa. Like, you get a pre... They've changed the letters okay, now, so okay. it could have been an L back then. Okay. So, anyway, it's a the visa that you would get from the Chinese consulate in your home country. I know. Yeah. And it's a one entry, so you can only enter the country once. You can't leave and come back in with that visa. And it's for 30 days only. And then you have those 30 days to turn it over into a residence permit. So the first year in China I did that, the company did that successfully, but it was just a huge pain. I was basically stranded in a hotel. Like I was waiting for them to do this and I was also like in this state of limbo. I'm like, I I don't have the job yet. Like I'm not actually working yet, so I'm not making any money. They keep telling me, oh yeah, 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 you're, you're gonna get your visa tomorrow and then tomorrow comes and it doesn't happen. And then they say, oh, you need to go to this office, and then it's going to be finished, and you go to that office and do it, and then you still have another step to do, and it's just this really tedious and obnoxious ongoing process. And this is for a company that does this for foreigners on a regular basis. So they're supposed to know what they're doing. That's the nature of Chinese bureaucracy. It's very secretive, and it's complex, and it relies heavily on this idea of guanxi, which is network. So you need to know somebody who knows somebody who knows mm-hmm. somebody in order to get anything done. Otherwise, you're lost in red tape, <laughs> which reminds me of China. Like, he's from Hong Kong. He wanted to get his Chinese license for driving a car in China. Mm. And he was like, I'm going to do it the legitimate way. Because they told him, like, oh, you can either do it the legitimate way or you can, like, pay a bribe and then we can do it for you right away. Yeah. He was like, no, because out of principle, you know, like, sure. out of principle, he was like, I'm not doing it the... <laughs> I'm not doing it the shady way. So he like went around and around and around in circles for weeks until he was finally like, screw it, I'm just yeah, gonna pay somebody. And and he got his license then that way. And that's just how things work here. It's yeah. just, it's like that. And so if you're looking for like a concrete checklist of you need this, this, and this, mm-hmm. like it is on the, for example, the US government website for things like that, it's much clearer. You're not gonna get it. You're just not going to get it. Even if your company provides you with a list and says you need this, this, and this, there's always something that gets missed off or there's some loophole that no one knew about and that you were meant to do something else or It's very complicated. And even companies or schools, which I guess they're going to be the big ones applying for work visas for their teachers, they often, as Nora said, there still has to be a connection with someone who works in the government. Even trying to do the legit way there always seems to be issues as I was researching for this I was trying to think back to my original visa process when I was a teacher and I had some problem but I can't remember what it was I think I've like I'm in such denial about it that I've like (laughs) pushed it to the back of my brain 
but I think I like stayed too long or something. When I'd come back from the UK with that permit, I think there was then Chinese New Year, and so it was delayed, oh. but it came back to me. It wasn't the school, like the school wasn't there, there was no one to help me. But it came back to me, like, you stayed too long. I was like, well, what was I, you know, what was I meant to do? And I had to leave, like, immediately. But the school had connections, so they were they were able to sort it out for me, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but it could have really gone badly for me, which is another point I want to make, because you can't rely on your company to remind you about the dates or when you need to leave, or, or you know, hand in certain paperwork. You need to be really on the ball with it. Like, and you need to be forceful too you need yeah. to keep so this is gonna happen right yes this is gonna happen even if you feel like you're beating it over and over and over yeah. again you got to be really pushy because there are a lot of situations where if that doesn't happen then they miss the deadline and then basically you're the one who's taking yeah, all the it's risk your fault. It's, you. it's not yeah it won't come back to them they don't care <laughs> yeah and for those of you who come on tourist visas and if you're on business visas as well I can't stress this enough. Please look at like how many entries you've got and how long you can stay in China because there's I've known so many people who've overstayed and overstaying is not a joke. <sighs> it's not at all. I mean, it depend. <laughs> it's the look of the draw. There are rules that say if you overstay, you find five hundred yuan per day, up to ten thousand. They can also put you in jail. They can also detain you between five and fifteen days. But this is. Again, these are this is what they're meant to do. I'm using bunny ears there. But I've heard some really awful stories. But then I've also heard of people, and myself included, who has floated across the border. I mean, I was pooping myself because I knew I'd <laughs> overstayed and no one said anything to me. Oh, and nobody said anything? No one said anything to me. And okay. it was... Yeah, I was over by quite a lot. Wow. Yeah, lucky. it was risky. It was risky. But then I've heard about people who have been detained, yeah, put in prison, even deported. You're meant to get maybe two chances or something. Mm. And you'll get blacklisted as well. But it depends on how they're feeling on the day. Sometimes you can get a slap on the wrist or you can be told, okay, get your stuff. You need to leave. Yeah, I got interrogated and issued a, issued a written statement. And then I also had problems with getting Dahlia's visa sorted out. They told me the wrong information at the police well, station. I'm not really surprised. This is how <laughs> ridiculous it can be. Like, I went there, inquired about what I needed to do to process her visa. They told me the wrong information. I followed it. And then I had to go down and get interrogated again. And I had to, like, get fingerprinted and sign a bunch of documents in Chinese about how sign like, your life away yeah who knows what they yeah it was like and they had like print in, in like thumbprints in blood in like red ink so it was like in signature in blood and I had to stay there with the baby for I was there for probably like four or five hours being and then I had to go back and it was a whole thing so you gotta just get used to uncertainty when you're in China because if you want to know everything that's going on all of the time and feel like you have control of the situation at all times, like China is not for you. Yeah, it and, is not. And that's not just to do with the visa process. That's literally everything. Yeah, yeah. I was sent to 
Liaoning province, which is like the very northeast, pro- like borders with South Korea. It's so shitty. Yeah. To, and I was stranded there for a month. They sent me there twice in order to get my visa for Shenzhen, which is like way in the south of China. They, so before coming to Shenzhen, I had found a job also teaching and I applied and they, and they said, yeah, we can get your work visa. We'll start processing it as soon as you get here. So when I got there, they had some problem because actually in Shenzhen, it's very difficult for the schools to issue foreigners work visas. There's like strict quotas and it's a lot of red tape. Anyway, so they had a sister school in Liaoning province, like way, literally a four and a half hour plane ride yeah. from Shenzhen. So they sent me up there and then tried to figure everything out from there but I was just stuck there yeah. in like this crappy hotel for a month not knowing what because at any moment they were like you need to stay at the hotel because at any moment you may need to go to this office and that office so I I couldn't even really s- explore around I just was stuck mm. it's a big mess yeah I actually had a story recently from a friend it was a, f- a flatmate of hers and she'd overstayed it was quite a long overstay and I think she'd maybe overstayed because she'd been quite sick so she went to the border and there was some serious interrogation and they said you can either they'd threatened her with a with a rather large fine and she said okay I'll pay it she argued at first but eventually she said okay I'll pay and she, they, they told her okay go to this police station and pay the fine by the time she got to the police station in the evening they'd increased the fine <laughs> of course they yeah. did. Somebody was like, hey, I want a piece of that. Yeah, right. And th- but then when she refused, they took her into some, like, cells in the back of the police station. And But then she was... And I'm not actually sure how the story panned out, but they threatened her with deportation. This is the first time she'd accidentally, like, stayed... Well, I mean, I'm saying accidentally to, to the Chinese, it doesn't matter. But it also is, like Holly said, it's... You just don't know. It could be a good day, it could be a bad day for Border yeah. Patrol. She's just very... <laughs> Uh, dependent on how people feel. It's the same way, though, whenever I enter the U.S., it's like sometimes you just get this just jerk of a guy who just interrogates you. Why were you in China? What are you bringing back? How long have you been there? How much money do you make there? And, like, you get all these questions. And the other times you get, like, some grandpa guy who's like, hey, how's it going? Welcome back home. You know, like, it's just, that's how it is. And they just, they thrive on being unpredictable. I think that's part of the strategy. Yeah. I mean, I can understand that for a foreigner, but for an American to treat another American like that, kind of, it's strange. Oh yeah. I mean, I I accept that they I you know they they're always super like what are you doing here to me I understand that but too. No, I've had quite American. a few really uh, really negative, and then I'm like welcome home, you know. Yeah, it's that's like it. I've been that's away it. for a year, and then I come home, and then it's basically like getting slapped in the face. But they're just anyway. doing their job, I guess. Uh, yeah. So actually, when we planned to do this episode, I just read an article about these two Irish teachers who both had work visas, and they were detained in Beijing because they were caught working additional jobs. So this is something else that you should know. If you have a work visa, you are only allowed to work for that company. So work in any additional jobs means you are still breaking the law. They were detained in Beijing for around 10 days. And during this time, they weren't allowed to contact any family members. And they claimed, who who knows what the truth was, but they, they claimed that they didn't know they were not allowed to work another job. Again, that doesn't really matter. Exactly. That's really, I think it's, they're probably just trying to make an example of these two because I think in general, they're not going around trying to find people who are working second jobs. That's not, no. that's not an ordinary thing that we've heard of that people, like that's really unusual that they've done that. But 
at any moment. Like, the, also with the drugs and stuff lately, they've been really cracking down yeah. on people who, if there's any association, they do this every so often. If they find that, you know, you have any presence of drugs in your system, anything, like marijuana, cocaine, any anything, they'll just, like, immediately deport you or put you in jail. And they do it on a kind of a cyclical basis. Yeah. So sometimes it's no big deal, like, and people get away with it for even years. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they're just like, hey, by the way, we're still here watching you, mm -hmm. CCTV. You know, like, you never really know. You want to try to not do that stuff <laughs> when you're yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're trying to do have a... Uh, what is it? What's it called? Zero, a zero policy tolerance. Tolerance. Yeah, yeah. Which so it's fair enough. Like you are breaking the law. If you don't follow their laws, then I guess they have a right to chuck you out. Oh, definitely, it is their right. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I I did find this site actually that did list out what you need, and I, I think actually you could find this information. As we've said, you need to get your company to give you all the finer details. Don't ask them for a full outline of everything that you need to do. I would just ask them what is the next step. And be really right. clear about the next step. Don't expect to get the full... I think that's a good strategy in, in general in China business. Just China culture in general. It's like, what's the next step? Don't worry too much about the steps coming after that. Because things can change. Relationships mm. can change. True. So don't expect a schedule that's all planned out on this day. This is going to happen on this day. Just figure out what the next step is and be very clear about it. Ask them multiple times... This Are these all the documents that I need? How many copies do I need? Do I need the originals? Are you sure? Is the photo, like, di what dimensions do the photo need to be? What colors the background need to be? Like, just try to get as specific yeah. as possible about the next, each step that they put in front of you. I think that's the best way to approach this whole thing and just realize that it's not going to be straightforward and that it's going to be a little uncertain and frustrating at times. If you just take it all with a grain of salt, I think you'll be fine. Yeah. And also, wherever you go, if you're ever going to apply for anything, take passport photos and get lots of photocopies of your passport because they love photocopies for some reason. <laughs> I've always remember like when I was first going through the process, going places and then being like, you've only got one photocopy of the passport, you need another one. So what, what do I do? Oh, down the street there's a place where you can go and get photocopies. What? Are you kidding me? Like I have to now leave my place that I've waited here for several hours to stand in this queue to talk to you and now I have to leave again. <laughs> uh, Welcome to China. Right. <laughs> so here's some of the things you need for a work visa. Most of them are fairly, fairly straightforward. So you need your passport, you need uh, your passport pictures and photocopies. You need an invitation letter. So this will come from your school or company and they are like formally inviting you to take a position at their company. Then you need your foreigner's work permit, which is issued by the State Bureau of Foreign Experts, which is another faff in itself, by the way. Mm. Um, you need your CV, obviously. You need your original degree papers or diplo diplomas, whatever you've got. This is a biggie, and this is this is a, a sticking point, I think, for some people, because you need a reference from a non-Chinese company who you have worked for two years in the relevant industry. <laughs> so for a lot of people, especially teachers, or people who are coming to teach, you may not have that. You can decide what you do about that one. Um, and then you need a medical certificate, which you will do here, which is not at all fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. They're the main things, but as we said, depending on your company or your, the nature of your work, you'll probably need other things as well. Yeah, and most of the websites that I found, it always says, additional documents may be required. Right, yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> nobody knows what the full list, the comprehensive list is. In fact, my, okay, so my parents are very Germanic in mindset. They really love the lists and checking off the boxes. Who doesn't? <laughs> so they were applying for their Chinese visa and they had a, quite a few problems the first time they wanted to come visit me and actually the second time as well. So I got them on the show for a little interview to talk about their experiences with their Chinese visas. So let's hear what they have to say. Hi, Mom. Thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> so we're, we got you using WeChat. Um, what do you think about WeChat? So far, so good. <laughs> glad, glad we can do this. Yeah, so we were just wondering about your experiences with applying for Chinese visas. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, sure. Okay, so the first time... Um, Dad and I applied. We, uh, I went online and I found out what we needed to bring to the Chinese consulate in Chicago. And um, at that time, they did not accept credit cards. So we had to have money orders made out for the cost. And um, anyway... Uh, it said if you arrived before, if you, if you, if your number was called before 11 a.m. on the day that you go and apply, um, you could get your visa that afternoon by 2.30 or 3 o'clock before they closed. Well, they opened at 9, I believe, and it was like a three-hour trip downtown by bus for us um and then we walked to ohio street or whatever street it was on the chinese consulate was on and we got there around nine in the morning and took a number and you had to wait in this room with everyone else until they called your number so we got up to the window with our number and our forms filled out and our extra passport type photos with us. And we were told we needed to get the money money order from somewhere for, I mean, we, we had cash, I guess. Anyway, we, we went down to, there was a 7-Eleven in the building, fortunately, that, where you could get money orders. So we did that. But um, what was what was the problem? You all said a letter of introduction. No, that was for that was the second time around. Well, anyway, we missed the deadline, I guess, and um, we had to have them mail our visa to us, and that took several weeks. They took our passports and uh, mailed the visa to us, but we had to provide an express envelope um, from the U.S. Post Office for them to do that. Anyway, it was quite a hassle, and it took a while for us to receive the visas. Okay, so the second time around, um, I went on the website, and they said that we could use a credit card, and we got down there, like, around the same same time about nine in the morning and um 
we got up to the window before 11 a.m. And we had all the paperwork filled out and the pictures and our credit card ready. And we're told that we could not get the visa because we didn't have a letter of invitation to China from somebody that had a, a valid work visa or um, who lived there. So they didn't say that on the website? No, it did not say it on the website, anywhere on the website. So And, and it, it had to do with whether you were going to stay at a hotel there versus stay at somebody's house. Right, and it didn't say anything to that effect on the website, and the people at the window were very rude. Miscongeniality. Yeah, <laughs> and, and not, were not only rude to us, we Americans, but... Um, us Americans, but rude to Chinese people because <laughs> uh, we could tell they were yelling in Chinese and it was not a very pleasant conversation. So um, that was the last time we tried going to the Chinese consulate to get our visas. We um, have since gotten visas by using a passport service and it not only saved um, dad from taking an entire day off of work and spending an entire day traveling to and from Chicago and the hassle of the whole thing, but um, they were really speedy in getting our visas to us. So uh, it was well worth the money, extra money. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like that's, it. Right. Well, that's, that's about all I... I have to say about it is I, I, I don't ever want to have to go through that again and be treated so poorly. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they're making steps to becoming more open. We've heard more. Actually, I don't know if you guys have heard this news, but you know Hainan Island where Bethany and I yes. went, my sister and I went um, in Sanya to the beach. So now they've opened it so that you don't need a visa if you're traveling to Hainan for tourism for, I think it's five or ten days, something like that. So they are trying oh, to, nice. yeah, they are trying to open things up. But this is very classic example of how Chinese, Chinese bureaucracy works, <clears throat> or rather doesn't work. Um, you actually just need to have guanxi the connection. So basically the agency that you use, I'm sure that they pay somebody to make things move smoothly. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I, um, we now have 10-year visas, so, um, of course, several years have passed since we got them, but um, we don't have to go through this for a while yet again. Yeah, so. so that's good. But I assume next time you'll also be using an agency <laughs> to get your yes, visa. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> cool. Well, Definitely. thanks for um, thanks for sharing. And I hear I heard Dad pop in there for a little bit. So thanks, Dad, too. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. 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 So there you have it. Even the most organized of folks will have problems <laughs> getting their visa. This will drive people crazy who are used to black and white rules and regulations. In fact, um, my husband just opened a joint venture here in China and his business partners are lawyers and they are successful business people. I'm talking about they have money, all right? So they know business in China and they're Chinese. 
and they still had problems opening. It just was a huge mess, like running from this office to that office. And these are people who know exactly what they're doing mm -hmm. and have connections and are lawyers. So the bottom line is it's not going to be a walk in the park, but I think it's still worth doing it. It'll help toughen you up. You'll get an idea for how China works in general. And I think it's worth doing it. The tourist visa is definitely easier to do than the work visa and stuff yeah. too. So that one, for some people, some people have just gone in and given their documents and yeah. been just fine. My tourist visa was quite simple. And for, um, I think for my parents as well, it was quite a simple procedure. You know, you just send the documents and they, sometimes you have to go for an interview, but it's very rare. Mm -hmm. So it can be smooth as butter, but... Just beware that it may not be. <laughs> okay, Nara, do you have a Chinese word for us? Yeah, we can't uh, let you go without teaching you the word for visa in Chinese, so that's Chen Zheng. Zheng is very common in different kinds of documents. Shenfen Zheng is also something that people often ask you for here. Mm. It's an identity card specifically issued to Chinese citizens. We don't have them. Shenfen Zheng. But it's also a type of junk. So this is Chen Zheng. So that means visa. So I will link to the word for visa in our Chinese dictionary. And they will be in our show notes, which will be at writtenchinese.com slash episode 124. And I'll also include the website that I got all the visa application stuff from. I think it's worth having a look because it does have actually a lot of information. I was actually quite impressed because it's the first resource I've found out there. It's all in English and plain English as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Chinese government website hasn't been updated since 1994. <laughs> so you're not going to get much information from that. <laughs> Even if you don't use it as the ultimate guide, you yeah. can at least get familiar with some of the things that you'll need to do. And yeah, I'm sure there's other... as well, I guess. Yeah, I think you can try to find some... Uh, ask on Quora. A lot of times Quora has more mm. recent accounts of this kind of process and the outcomes and such, so you might get some extra insights from that. Can I talk a little bit about the dictionary for a bit? Nope. Oh man. Yes, of course. So, you guys know we're sponsored by writtenchinese.com. That's how we're able to make the show. And we've been working really hard on our mobile app that's called the Written Chinese Dictionary. So if you're learning Chinese and you haven't done so already, download the Written Chinese Dictionary. It's free and it's got lots of cool free stuff in it. And we have been working really hard on building a community within the app. So basically, you can now, under any Chinese word or phrase, you can add your mnemonic device to share how you remember those words. So we're trying to build up this community, helping each other learn Chinese. So if you are learning Chinese, check that out and add your pictures or your sentences or the ways in which you remember the characters to the definition page of the app. And we hope that we can make this a living dictionary that's useful for everybody and that's growing and becomes more and more useful as more and more people use it. And we can all learn Chinese together. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there are already a lot of people actually doing that, I was really, really pleased and impressed with the uh, mnemonic devices and the like, example sentences that our like people using the app have already shared. So that community is going to become, we have a lot of plans for that, it's going to become more and more interconnected. You'll be able to connect with certain people, Chinese teachers or tutors will be able to connect with their students there and you'll be able to 
follow different people if you think that their mnemonic devices are really cool or they share really cool images you'll be able to follow them and it's just a great way to build a dictionary that's always evolving because this language always changes right so we want to grow with the language and continue to be a resource 15 20 years from now not just now so become a part of it, it would be really cool everything that i'm talking about is all available for free just download it get started try out some of the other features there's like some cool storybooks in there there's free flashcard sets there's audio there's stroke animations it's just jam-packed with a lot of tools for learning chinese so check it out yeah, I will add links to both Android and iOS to download the, the app for both iOS and Android devices in the show notes, writtenchinese.com slash episode 124. But you can also search for the Written Chinese Dictionary in your app store. So before we go, if you want to leave us your own question, ask us your own question, you can go to writtenchinese.com slash voicemail. We really like to hear your voice. <laughs> But you can also do as Zach did and just send us an email or at support at writtenchinese.com or I think Zach may have gotten us on our Facebook page which is facebook.com slash two white chicks and the two is T-W-O. think that's about it. Thanks for listening everybody. <laughs> Bye.